Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. We gather each morning at about 9 a.m. Uh, live, and of course, it's available then later throughout the day on replay on all your streaming platforms or via audio podcast if you prefer. And uh, what we do here is we hear from God's Word, we pray together. Um, from the psalmody and from the catechism, we sing together hymn, right? And ultimately, uh, we also pray for one another too. We should forget, not forget that, but to dwell richly in the Word of God uh, according to His own command, right? And for our benefit. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Psalm time, Psalm 34, verse 12. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, memory verse. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, and with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 20. Again, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. No longer strangers and foreigners. Of course, that gives you a hint or a clue as to who or whom uh, Paul is talking to. Well, obviously, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. This is the book to the Ephesians. But what's the conflict, perhaps, that's indicated here? This is Jew and Gentile, right? That conflict that is at the heart of the beginning of the book of Acts, the first, oh, I don't know, 15 or so chapters, at least, to the Council of Jerusalem, and is at the uh, conflict of Jesus with the Pharisees and scribes, and the way that Jesus eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners, um, and he goes about amongst the Gentiles. It's also a conflict amongst the prophets. There's always this degree of I guess we call it xenophobia, um, fear of the other, the xenos. And, um, you know, we're all prone to that. 
we fear what we do not know or do not understand. Um, and there is a, a reasonable fear to be afraid of the one who can um, bring one's soul and body down into hell, right? That's the devil. But to fear one another, um, and not the, the false doctrine that maybe that's preached, that's putting fear in the wrong place. Well, anyway, uh, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, Gentiles, right? But made fellow citizens, the is Israel of, of, of God in Christ, members of the household of God. How? By faith in Jesus himself, right? As Jesus has been revealed to us in the apostles and the prophets. You see how that goes. All right. Uh, the same the same kind of theme was in the Ephesians reading from uh, church on Sunday, from divine service in the epistle. Uh, it may have seemed, uh, may seems a seem a little bit odd to be talking about a dividing wall of hostility, but that's the dividing wall of hostility, whether the Gentiles could be included into the household of God now in Christ. Okay. So our catechism for this week, again, the, the neglected Christian questions and their answers. Question, what should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently? First, both the command and the promise of Christ the Lord. Second, his own pressing need, because of which the command, encouragement, and promise are given. But what should you do if you are not aware of this need and have no hunger and thirst for the sacrament? To such a person, no better advice can be given than this. First, he should touch his body to see if he still has flesh and blood. Then he should believe what the scriptures say of it in Galatians 5 and Romans 7. Second, he should look around to see whether he is still in the world and remember that there will be no lack of sin and trouble, as the scriptures say in John 15 and 16 and 1 John 2 and 5. Third, he will certainly have the devil also around him, who with his lying and murdering day and night will let him have no peace within or without, as the scriptures picture him in John 8 and 16, 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, and 2 Timothy 2. Okay. There's a question in the chat uh, from Jennifer. Respectfully, I haven't been able to access the Sunday service by stream. Are you no longer live streaming it? Yes. Uh, we announced this a couple weeks ago, and I've spoken about it. It's been in our uh, service folder and in our um, weekly email that goes out. So if you don't have to subscribe to that, be sure to do that down below, and you'll get all the updates. Uh, we're not streaming live to encourage people to attend, if at all possible, in person. Uh, but do recognize that that the recorded services are of a benefit, especially to the homebound and those who are sick or ill. And so they are available um, on replay. So you can go to our, if you're watching on YouTube, just go to our channel and you'll find uh, as a separate category, the sermons or as the, uh, or the complete services are there, as well as all the catechesis on Sunday morning. So it's all available to you. Uh, it gets posted either on Sunday or, or probably more likely on Monday, usually. All right. First reading today is from Isaiah 19. I burden against, or excuse me, the burden against Egypt. Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter at his presence and the heart of Egypt will melt in its midst. I will set Egyptians against Egyptians. Everyone will fight against his brother and everyone against his neighbor. City against city, kingdom against kingdom. The spirit of Egypt will fall, or excuse me, fail in its midst. I will destroy their counsel, and they will consume, consult the idols and the charmers, the mediums and the sorcerers, and the Egyptians I will give into the hand of a cruel master, and a fierce king will rule over them, says the Lord of hosts. All right, so we have Isaiah's judgment against Egypt here, prophetically spoken. We'll hear the same sort of judgment against Egypt from Ezekiel, 
in chapters uh, 29 through 32, I believe, so three or four chapters of judgment against Egypt. So he'll take what Isaiah had spoken about 100 years before and really expand upon it. So we'll be hearing that uh, as we go through through the summer here, probably uh, into July, we'll be hearing about the judgment against Egypt. Right? But here it's just briefly spoken of. And you see, where does Egypt turn when things get difficult? To their idols and charmers, mediums and sorcerers, right? Into idolatry and not um, towards the true king, which they would know because who had spoken of, of the king of Israel to them? Well, the people of Israel, right? The sons of Jacob and their tribes. Um, and then also Moses proclaimed. And even Pharaoh said, um, said, or Pharaoh's sorcerers even say um, that the God of Israel was of a different category than theirs. God of gods, we might say, or Lord of lords. And yet, uh, when push comes to shove, the Egyptians will fight against each other and will, will call upon their idols, and the Lord will deliver them um, into the hand of the cruel master as a result of their idolatry. We said this on Sunday, and I think it's bears worth uh, mentioning here again, is that there's only one condition for God's judgment, which is faith or unfaith, belief or unbelief. That's true whether uh, you are the chosen people of God, so to speak, right? the nation that's set apart, um, or now his church, or whether you're not. Okay, So um, when you see judgment being executed by God, um, at the hands of others often, uh, or directly at his hand, fire from the sky, for example. That judgment is on the basis of unbelief. Unbelief is often manifest in, in false words, but sometimes in false deeds too, right? Um, so we think Sodom and Gomorrah would be an example of that, where not only did they rebel against God's word, but they um, practiced their rebellion um, outwardly in their behavior. Chris says, um, people seem to want to go to being slaves again. Well, better the slavery you know than the freedom you don't. <laughs> Might be a way to say this. And I think that's a uh, a good point, right? But yes, we we turn towards all the things that we know even if we have, re- have even if they've been uh, demonstrated repeatedly to be false or um, misleading, right? So this would beg the question why people continue to listen um, to authorities that have um, consistently lied to them. Why do you keep listening to them? Uh, That could be civil authorities, political ones, or it could be medical, or it could be scientific, or it could be um, news authorities, right? Uh, It could be local civil uh, civil government. There is something to be said for for shutting off and um, ignoring the liar, right? Who who cannot answer. Uh, Even if they get then paraded in front of you on uh, broadcast television, right? They lied before Congress. They repeatedly lied, and so why do we keep listening to them? Begs the question, right? Uh, now, of course, they'll they'll do their best, as every idol does, uh, to <laughs> to cover uh, their ignorance, right? By going back and uh, what we call today retconning, retroactive continuity. So you go back and you try to retell history. Of course, we don't really believe we we have this uh, disadvantage of of time. Right, is that the only thing that we remember? We have very short and selective memories. Uh, but even if we know that someone was lying to us five years ago, uh, why do we presume that the people who wrote histories a thousand years ago weren't lying to us as well? Right. Um, and maybe that's a categorical distinction that needs to be made with God's word. Is that God's word bears uh, the imprimatur of God Himself, of course, as Jesus, and and actually Jesus's endorsement. 
of the Old Testament scriptures, Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, are endorsed by Jesus as being authoritative, God's word, right? even for the Christian. So I think that's important to note. Uh, and of course, there's the testimony of, of multiple witnesses, which is an essential way of testifying uh, in the ancient world in particular. Today, testimony is uh, two or three cell phone camera videos and some DNA evidence, uh, which maybe is a little, even more trustworthy, or maybe not. Question is always, um, as you say, uh, liars will, uh, will always find a way to cover for their lies. Chris says, do we go into our homes and never come out? Yeah, so you have city against city, neighbor against neighbor. I see what you're you're getting after there. And uh, there's a, actually, that, that's an essential component of slavery, is that you distrust everyone around you, including not only your master, slave masters, but even your fellow slaves. Uh, the Soviet Russia figured this out quite well. You can watch a, a breakdown of the Soviet style of uh, maintaining slave control of a society. Uh, there's a gentleman named Yuri Bezmenov. You can search for his name, Yuri Bezmenov, and he breaks it down. And uh, when like, you know, four out of five of your friends could be an informant <laughs> to the Soviets, um, it's a pretty good way to keep slaves as slaves. Yeah. All right. So don't fear your neighbors, uh, flesh and blood, but uh, fear God, right? And trust in him. Good. By the way, not all the Egyptians were destroyed. Some of the Egyptians uh, turned and went with Israel out of uh, during the Exodus. This is prophetically speaking of the next judgment of of, e of Egypt. But then in the New Testament, we find uh, an Ethiopian eunuch who's just south of, of Egypt coming and uh, being catechized by Philip. Um, I'm trying to think if we have Egyptians, though. Maybe not. Um, but today, uh, there's Christ many Christians in Egypt. Thanks be to God. All right, our reading for catechesis today is then from Matthew chapter 8. Well, I guess more catechesis, huh? Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He took, or he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds have of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Okay. So, uh, continuation in, in Matthew's Gospel. We had the Sermon on the Mount up through chapter 7, then chapter 8 continues right into the healing of the leper, and then the healing of the centurion's servant. Right, And uh, we see something interesting here in verse 14. When Jesus had come into Peter's house, talked about this with the house built upon the rock, which uh, we realized on Sunday, I think in a moment of spirit, the uh, giving of the spirit there, that the antithesis of the house built on the rock, the foundation with Moses and, and, the, and the prophets, or the prophets and the apostles, the antithesis of that is the city of, of, um, of Tyre, which was also built on a rock, but was conquered by Alexander the Great because it was not built on the foundation of God's word. What a beautiful contrast, huh? Here the house is 
than typify, typifying or signifying the church, right? As is often the case, Jesus goes into the house. We had a house just in the last chapter too, and that was the, uh, the house of the centurion. But remember, the centurion said, don't go into my house. But here Jesus goes into Peter's house. Um, the centurion, of course, was a Gentile, and the house that Jesus visits now is Peter's, the apostle. Of course, he was a Jew or Gentile. Peter was a Jew, right? So this does connect us to those, I think, to those two houses back in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, where we have the, uh, you know, these chapter markings are somewhat arbitrary. I mean, where else are you going to break it down? They're just supposed to help you navigate the gospel, but the, but it's not like each chapter is a separate um, episode and that they, there isn't continuity. So yeah, we want to hear house and then house, wait a minute. Oh, when did Jesus previously speak of two houses? Back in the sermon, right? The house built upon the rock, which is on Christ and the apostles and the, and the prophets. And then the house built upon sand, which would be uh, whatever the opposite of that is, the, the fickle um, fancies of men's hearts, I suppose. So that's Matthew 7, 24. Uh, we hear an interesting point here. Not much more will come of this, but I think it's worth noting that Peter had a wife and a mother, thus a mother-in-law. Right? We don't know what happens to his wife. It's, it seems like um, she's now deceased and Peter has, since he's now following Jesus, that he's given his house over to his mother-in-law to, um, for her protection all right, and care. How does Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law? Verse 15. Precious, um, how does it go? Precious Savior, take my hand, lead me to the promised land. Yeah. He takes her by the hand, right? He touches her hand. The word here uh, translated as uh, she arose, I think that's really helpful. Um, sometimes it's translated as she got up, um, but it's the same word for resurrection, right? So here we have Jesus demonstrating the power of the resurrection um, in a littler way than, of course, dead to life, but, um, but his power over her physical body to, to bring her healing uh, from the sickness that surely would have led to death, a fever. All right? And then we continue. Um, in the evening, what is out in the evening? Sin and death, um, liars, right? Um, the devil prowls about in the darkness, right? And who does he come to? The demon possessed, right? And he casts them out by a word at night. Huh? So he is the light in the darkness. Previously, he had driven out spirits with his word back in his temptation in Matthew 4. Remember that with the devil? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and casting out the temptation of the devil. Um, also, the sick were brought to him, and he was healed. Uh, Chris says, I wish our Lord could take our hand to heal our illness, all illnesses. Uh, well, he does. That's the promise of the resurrection. Now, in, in this time, we've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning. Um, one, I think we distrust God to bring healing now, so we often don't pray for healing. Um, we don't compel uh, ourselves to the gifts that bring healing, which is his word and his, sac- his word attached to sacrament, his body and blood, right? These are the gifts of healing that Jesus gives us now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and prayer, of course, and prayer in his name. So that's the first point. So I think some don't avail themselves of the means of healing that Jesus has provided us. And so then um, the gift is withheld from them. But also, um, we don't what was I going to say? We don't actually believe in the resurrection. <laughs> so we think that when we die, we just stop, to, we cease to be or something, or we become kind of spiritual beings or whatnot. No, this resurrection, is, or this little resurrection is pointing forward to the greater resurrection. 
And I would suggest to you that he does provide these sorts of healings, but, but that healing touch comes by his word and by his body and blood. Uh, Chris says, so our faith is not strong? Um, maybe. Or our faith is not necessarily placed where it should be placed. We put our faith in doctors and medicine, uh, allopathic medicine, which may help. Uh, we neglect other gifts that he's given us uh, for healing, all right? Soothing balms and the like, as the Bible talks about. Um, but also, um, I've had many people say, I'm sick, so I'm not going to be in church. And you're like, well, that's precisely when you should be in church, <laughs> right? Or I'll bring church to you, right? Bring the, the gift of the sacrament to you for healing. Uh, I can't tell you how difficult it is often um, to distribute the sacrament in hospitals because of the way that they've, I think they've restricted us from doing so unnecessarily. All right. So there you go. So we have a quotation then. Um, Jesus here is fulfilling the word of the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. What a beautiful statement. To take our, um, to take our illnesses and infirmities upon himself. Right. This is, um, I think an extension of the substitutionary atonement that he covers, where he takes our sin upon himself. Here he takes not only our our sin, but also the result of our sin, this earthly sickness and death. And then in his death and the resurrection of his body, he overthrows the power of death. Um, <laughs> nice nice uh, handle, Dunce, Dunce Scotus. Um, it's usually D-U-N-S, but D-U-N-C-E, that's funny. Nice, nice play on words. It says, gifts of healing are mentioned three times in 1 Corinthians 12. Yeah, exactly. So if you read... Um, the word of the apostles, whether in the book of Acts or, or in the epistles, you'll find that uh, they are not as timid um, to pray directly for the gift of healing. Yeah. And then Chris, uh, or excuse me, Vicky notes on YouTube as well, whatever reason he does not heal us now, we trust in his will and uses this for good. Yeah, and Paul talks at length about this and, and how he had prayed for healing uh, for the thorn in his flesh, um, which there's lots of arguments as to what that is. He doesn't explicitly tell us. I think it's actually related to his blindness or his near blindness, right? And you can imagine how uh, difficult that would be, make it for him to travel and to preach and teach. And um, thank, well, thank God that uh, he grew up in a tradition where you memorize the scriptures, okay, <laughs> so that he could continue his work, right? But he prayed the Lord three times that it be removed from him, and then the Lord said, "My grace is sufficient um, in weakness." Okay, so yes. Um, here, I think healing, we should also note, this is a big topic, but healing is specifically um, exercised by Jesus as a testimony to, to his fulfillment of the prophetic word, so that people would see him and say, this is the Messiah, right? Uh, and also then you see, I think, particular gifts of healing given to the apostles to testify that they are the ones who were sent in Jesus' name to, perform, to continue the work. And uh, the argument could be made then that these apostolic gifts, um, they continue, but, but the, there's a transition after the time of the apostles, um, more emphasis being upon the word and where the word has been attached by Jesus and less emphasis on the supernatural gifts. Now, whether that's a good or a bad thing, it, it does seem to be the example. Um, unless you look at maybe the traditions of the saints and the martyrs, and it does seem that there are times where, where these supernatural gifts um, return for a time. And again, I would suggest that's always as a testimony, not that we trust in the healing, but that we trust in his word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus uh, gives the command then to go to the other side, right? To leave the crowd. And then the teacher said, or the scribe came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds familiar. Just like Peter will say later on, right? 
right? I will follow you even if it means death, okay? Um, now, what is Jesus saying in verse 20? Jesus said to them, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. Okay, these are just truisms, I suppose. Um, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, those of you who uh, studied Ezekiel with us will, will actually recognize this, or maybe you recognize this and remember it. Do you? Ezekiel 13. Remember? Uh, let's go pull it up again. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps of the wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord, so you failed to be a watchman. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet their hope that the word uh, yet they hope that the word may be their word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision, and have you not spoken false divination, you say? The Lord says, But I have not spoken. So you're like foxes in the deserts who just hole up, right, and fail to do the thing that they have been given to do, which is to preach, right? Uh, to be watchmen on the gates. Let's see, later on he says, because indeed, because they have seduced my people saying peace when there is no peace, and one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar, whitewashed tombs, right? Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding and rain and you, O great hailstones, shall f- uh, fall and a stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? Right. Uh, therefore, he'll cause the storm uh, to break forth upon it. All right, I could read more, but that's probably sufficient on that. So we have the whitewash and the storm beating against, which Jesus talks about later in Matthew 7 and whatnot. Dunn says, we see the phrase birds of the air and other places in the gospel with some kind of negative connotation. No. Um, the, the other one that you're thinking of is um, the lilies of the field and the birds of the heaven are fed. Um, by God the Father of his providence, right? Even without their asking. Um, but, but as far as building nests and uh, foxes building holes, these are places of protection. These are like walls of a fortress, you might say, right? Um, but, but Jesus says that none of these things would protect, well, they won't protect the false prophet, right? The word of judgment of the false teachers, um, they always have a place to dwell, just like the foxes and the birds. But here, that's set in contrast to Jesus, who is not a false prophet. He is the prophet, right? The true prophet. He's rejected, um, and there is no protection for him because he has come to be uh, defeated by them in order to overcome. So the 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 one who um, is defeated overcomes by his defeat, which is a delightful paradox, right? Uh, and and actually, by doing that, he'll bring down the house of the false teachers with all their whitewashed tombs. Right? So he is rebuking that certain scribe that came to him. Oh, I'll follow you wherever you go. Just like Peter. Oh, I'll follow you to the, I will die for you. Jesus says, no, uh, can you die for me? I must die for you, right? It's similar to uh, his rebuke of John the Baptist, right? John says, I must be baptized you, but do you, um, but do I baptize you, right? Let's see, we have some others in here. Um, 
on Twitch, uh, we have a comment, fate versus free will, which I think is a false dichotomy <laughs> when it comes to, to the scripture. In the scripture, it's faith versus unfaith. Um, as far as fate goes, um, the fates, that's an old Greek idea, uh, not really brought into the scriptures. You have um, God's, God's choosing, God's um, uh, foreknowledge is connected to this, that he chooses you from eternity unto salvation. Huh? Um, and that he knows all things and that he works all things for your good. So there is that. That's not exactly fatalistic um, because the fates were arbitrary. God is not arbitrary. He works all things for good. Uh, free will um, also then implies that we do things and that God just works through the things that we do, uh, which uh, is, is actually true. We're either bound to God's word to do what God's word says or we're bound um, to our own flesh and to the lies of the devil and to do that which is contrary to God. So once one is set free to live according to God's word, right, then all things work as well for their good. Now, there may be other expressions of birds of the air, but uh, that Ezekiel text is the one that I have in mind. All right. And then uh, again, this is a judgment, because then another of his disciples say to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Whew. All right. Uh, now you hear you're probably thinking of the calling of, was it the calling of Elisha, right? By Elijah. And Elisha's plowing in the field, and the mantle is cast upon him, and then he asks to go. And they slaughter the, the oxen, and they have a feast with his family before he departs. But here, now, um, the disciple asks to do something similar, and Jesus says, Let the dead bury their dead. Whew. Let the dead bury their own dead. So um, here's that judgment against those who are outside of faith is that they are the walking dead, you might say. So he's calling us away from a life of unbelief and death to the way of life of faith in him alone. All right? um, now, and through Jesus, we actually have a, a father um, who is faithful to us and who brings life to us, unlike our earthly fathers who bring us death. Right Now, spiritually speaking, right? Uh, and God willing, they're Christians. They've been reborn to bring us life through the word. But still, um, their old father effectively has, has died to them. On the other hand, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob become our fathers um, as we trust in the promise given to them by faith. So, yeah, it's a pretty harsh word of judgment here, both against the certain scribe and then against the other disciple, is to say, now this is a moment of, um, uh, what do you want to say, a pivot point in their life. Follow Jesus. That's the command. There's no turning back. Okay. Ultimately, the authority of Jesus to heal and drive out demons is rooted in his cross. Thus, Matthew shows Jesus touching the mother-in-law of Peter to take away the curse of sin. He who did battle with Satan with the word now speaks the word to drive away the evil spirits and place his own good spirit within them. By citing Isaiah 53, Matthew tells us that Jesus is taking the iniquity of us all upon himself. The suffering servant has borne our griefs that he might see the light of the living in his resurrection, and share the spoils with those who live by faith in him. The false teachers and unbelievers of this world always have homes, but the Lord of the living has no place to lay down his lead, for his, his head, excuse me, for he is even buried in another man's tomb, Matthew 27. Jesus offers life to us while we are still dead in trespasses. He calls us through baptism into death in order that we might, or he might raise us up to life. A lot going on. Just a few short verses. Thanks for all the uh, interaction there, um, especially some of our guests on uh, 
YouTube and Twitch. Good to have you checking in and chatting with us today. All right. Speaking of the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, being the one that gives life, that's faith in Jesus, we'll sing our hymn for the week, A Multitude Comes from the East and the West. Let us pray. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and depressed, for those struggling with sin. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray today in particular for um, those of our congregation, especially Linda celebrating her birthday this day, Chad rejoicing in the gift of new birth and his baptism also this day. Pray for the households of our church this week. We keep Timothy and Kim in our prayers, Jerry and Marcella, Emma, Deb, Jim, Matt, and Vicki. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Dale and Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Gus, Eileen, Ron, Doug, Bev, Jim, Pat, Wendell, 
and Darlene. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church and that of our community, too. Um, This month, we support the work of Sharon S. Richardson Community Hospice. Continue to pray in intercession for Dasha and her family as they look for new housing. Pray for Barb as she goes to represent us at the 40th Biennial LWML Convention. And we pray for Matt Manzik's mom, Donna, who's um, continuing to be treated for stroke. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our congregation of prayer for today. Uh, good to have all of you checking in. Lots of great questions today. I love it when it's interactive that way. I uh, try to my be- do my best to understand your question and interact with it as it pertains to our, what's in front of us. Right. So uh, God's blessings to you all. Come, come to you each morning at 9 a.m. So you can join us again tomorrow morning at 9 uh, Central Time. And uh, yeah. And that's it for for today. So peace to you all and enjoy the day. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org. That's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.